0: Welcome to Bite Size Seminary. In this podcast, we discuss issues in biblical studies, theology, ministry engagement, and following Jesus. With new episodes every other week, we'll dive into the biblical text, discuss resources, book reviews, and interviews. I'm JC Schroeder. I'm an instructor at the Ezekiel Project School of Evangelism, and a THM student at Grand Rapids Theological Seminary. I hope that we can encourage each other to live and read Scripture more faithfully. If you want to be challenged by new ideas and encouraged by old ones, then keep listening. Today, we're going to talk about why Bible translations are different. Is there one that is best or most accurate? You know, we all have our favorites, and maybe we have some suspicions about others. But what really makes them different? I hope today that we can demystify some of those differences. One final thing before we dive in. If you enjoy the podcast, would you consider giving an honest review or even sharing this with a friend? You also can sign up to receive episodes emailed directly to you if you go to bitesizeseminary.com. And if you want to contact me, you can do so on the website or connect with me on Facebook or Twitter. Okay, enough with that. Let's dive in. Now, hopefully you can relate to this just a bit. You're sitting in church and you're reading along with a preacher or with the Bible study or whatever it is, and your mind just kind of spaces out for a moment. This has maybe happened to me once or twice. And as you realize, oh no, I'm not paying attention, and you try to find where you are back in the, in the Bible, in the passage, and you can't find it because what you're looking at is not what everyone else is reading and you feel really confused and it's not because you just don't know where you're where you are it's because it's reading differently and so you can't find it or perhaps you're reading along and you are paying attention you haven't spaced out like maybe i have and you're reading along and you're finding that wow that reads really differently than what i what i'm reading here in my bible in those moments we can sometimes think to ourselves if the bible is the word of god then how can mine read this way and his or hers read that way? How can they be different? What we're going to look at today are three issues that make Bible translations different. So the first one that we're going to look at is translation style. The second one is going to be the type of manuscript that is used, that is the base for that translation. And then the third issue that comes up and that makes translations different is the translator's own interpretation of That passage. Now, I want to just bring up a couple of side notes as we get into this. And it's important for us to recognize that when translation goes on, and this is true in any translation work, that there is no one-to-one correspondence. It's not like we have this word that exists in Greek or Spanish or whatever language, and then there's the exact same word that exists in English. There are comparable words. They all have shades of meaning, but there is usually very few words that have a one-to-one correspondence. So a word in Hebrew or in Greek or in Spanish or German or whatever will have a variety of meanings, a range of meanings. And then we have a group of words that also have a range of meaning. And so what translators have to do is that they have to select the right word in English or whatever language that they're trying to translate into that best captures that idea of the original language that they're translating from. And that's what goes on in biblical translation. So there is no one-to-one correspondence that allows for just kind of like a computer, fill out all of the, the answers and you're done. There's a lot of work that translators do to put this into good English or whatever language that they're trying to translate in. And that's an important thing for us to recognize from the beginning is that all of these translations have the same goal, is that they're trying to bring out the message of Scripture. They're trying to do a good job. Most are awesome. In fact, the vast majority, if not all, of our English translations are really, really good. So, hate to burst your bubble, there is no most accurate translation or even the best translation. They all serve different purposes. Some do that better than others, but there is no right one. We should also just be really thankful that we have the word of God in our own language, no matter what type of translation it is. And the fact that we have many translations that we have in our own language. And what a blessing that is that we can sit down in our own native tongue and read the very words of God. How precious and how awesome that is and the access that we have, and just the ability that we have to do that. Now, one final thing, side note that I want to add here from the beginning, is that these differences about translation, we can think of them as kind of a modern phenomenon, as this is something new that we struggle with now, but there is a long tradition of debates over translation. I love this story of Augustine and Jerome and their debates over translation of which translation of the Latin was the better one. Jerome was writing this new translation called the Vulgate to update the Latin translation that was in existence, and Augustine wasn't a fan of it. He tells the story that when the people in the city of Hippo heard his translation from Jonah about which plant the worm ate that Jonah was sitting on, that they started writing because they didn't like his translation. Now, who knows if he's, you know, being a little hyperbolic or whatever, but it just shows that these debates are nothing new, that these debates that we have also have happened throughout history as well. And that's okay. With all of that, the main thing I just want to emphasize is that there's no one right translation. They all do a great job and they serve different purposes. So with that, the three issues of why translations are different. The first one, translation style. There are three main types of translation style. The first one is called formal equivalent. And it's called formal equivalent because it tries to match the form of what is in the Hebrew and the Aramaic and the Greek into English as much as it can. So it goes for a more word-for-word sort of translation style than others. So the priority for this formal equivalent translation style is to match the structure and consistency with the words that are found in the original text into English as much as possible. And so a positive of this, a pro for this, is that it reflects that original form and structure a bit better than other translations. And this can be helpful for us when we're doing more in-depth Bible study. Now, one con for this is that the formal equivalent translation, because of its emphasis on the original form, can obscure the intended meaning of the passage. And it can also lead to this thought that whichever translation is most literal is going to be the right one. If we had a most literal translation, it would be gibberish. Or at best, it would sound like Yoda was talking to us. It's got to sound good in English, right? And so that's one of the side effects, the cons of a formal equivalent translation. And with all of these translation styles, they have pros and they have cons. Now, the second translation style is a functional equivalence. This is where they're going after the function of the word. That's why they call it functional equivalent. And here they're going thought for thought. So formal equivalent was going after the form. Functional equivalent is going after the function. Word for word, thought for thought. So functional is going thought for thought. And here with this thought for thought, the priority is on what is the meaning that the author is trying to drive home. What's the intended meaning by the biblical author? That's where they're going at. If you can match the structure of the Greek and Hebrew, great. If you don't need to, then you don't need to. The whole point is to get what are they trying to say in that text? How do we best put that in English? Now, positive, a pro for this is that it does a really good job of expressing that intention of the passage better. And this can be really helpful for capturing the thought of the passage. That's a pro. Now, a con to this, as maybe you've already guessed, is that it can obscure some of those structural elements of the original, whether a word is being used repeatedly or what the order of the words are. That can be obscured a little bit. But it does do a really good job of emphasizing the intention of that passage. The third translation style is paraphrase. Here, you're going big idea for big idea. So we had word for word with the formal equivalent, thought for thought with the functional equivalent, and now with a paraphrase, big idea for big idea. And the priority is getting the emphasis of the passage to put it into really colloquial English or whatever language really boiled down. And so that it would hit home in a different way, in a more maybe even expanded way. One of the benefits for this is that it really brings out the meaning or the emphasis more clearly, or even it forces the reader to think about that text in a different way. Now, a con to this is that it can feel like, and might even be true, that that translation is not really tied to the text of scripture enough. It's more expansive than what it really should be. And that's a significant side effect for the paraphrase. Now, with these three translation styles, they exist on a spectrum. So they're not nice, tidy boxes. They're on a spectrum here. So what I've done here is I've pulled a couple of illustrations. And this one I'm going to pull from Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. And I'm going to use the ESV as a representative for the formal equivalent. And it says this. It uses this word, seek the things that are above. Now, the NIV, which I'm going to use as An example of the formal equivalence says, instead of seek the things like the ESV had, it says, set your hearts on things above. So see how those are different. So the ESV, seek the things, is trying to replicate the very words that are used and the structure that is used in the Greek into English. Whereas the NIV of seeking the things that are above, does that mean that we're supposed to go find things that are in outer space or that are in heaven? No, it's talking about, our affections, right? So the NIV tries to bring that out more in its translation by using the translation, set your hearts on things above. And then the third one, as a representative of paraphrase, is the message. And it says this, so if you're serious, and I'm going to read the whole, ver- whole verse here. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Now, that's a bit more expansive, and you can compare that with the other translations yourself, but you can see that it is just going big idea rather than being tied to the actual words of the passage. Now, I like the message in a lot of cases. I think sometimes it gets too much of bad press, but it is really, really helpful to force us to think about Scripture in a bit different way, in a more expansive way to think about What is the actual intention here? And so all of these have pros and cons, and all of them have real benefits for us. Now, the second issue that makes the translations different is the manuscript base that they are using. The thing about the Bible is that there was no photocopy machines in the ancient world. Everything was copied by hand. So no two manuscripts were 100% alike. There is really, really good consistency. There are some differences among these translation, among these manuscripts, but they are very reliable, but sometimes there are differences in them. And some of those differences are important and some of them are viable and others just purely are not. So for the Old Testament, there are a variety of translations. The main one is the Hebrew manuscripts called the Masoretic text. You have Greek manuscripts called the Septuagint. And then you have mostly Hebrew manuscripts called the Dead Sea Scrolls. Those are the manuscripts, the handwritten copies of the Old Testament that we have in existence. And depending on which one a translation team will select from for a passage or as their base can influence why a translation, why a passage will read differently in different translations. Now, for the New Testament, you have a very similar phenomenon. We have different manuscript traditions, You have the Byzantine tradition. You have the Alexandrian tradition. You have the Western tradition. And again, depending on which manuscript tradition that translation team is pulling from can affect why translations are different. So here I have an illustration from Psalm 29, verse 9. And for whatever reason, I'm using the ESV and the NIV again. And so here it's talking about the voice of the Lord. And so they both read the voice of the Lord and then the ESV reads this way, makes the deer give birth. And the NIV says the voice of the Lord as well. But instead of makes the deer give birth, says twist the oaks. Now that's really different. And the difference is that for the ESV, it's relying upon the Hebrew Masoretic text manuscripts, whereas the NIV is resting on the Greek Septuagint manuscripts. So the ESV and the NIV are not trying to corrupt the Bible. They're looking at real biblical manuscripts that were copied by hand, that are super faithful, and they're trying to decide which one best reflects the original. And so the ESV lands one way, the NIV lands another. So this can result in another reason why our translations are different. The third and final reason why translations are different is the translator's interpretation of a passage. As the translators come and that they look at the text, they could have the exact same translation philosophy, they could have the same manuscripts that are that they're using or that they're relying on, but the way that they understand it could be different. And this is the reality of translations, is that all translations are interpretations. Remember how we began where we said that there is no one-to-one correspondence between one language to another with the words that are used or the style or the syntax or all of that. So this requires understanding what's going on in the Greek, the Hebrew, the Aramaic, and then trying to figure out what is it saying and then reflect that into English. So now as they are interpreting the passage, you're trying to figure out, scholars are trying to understand, what is it actually saying? And scholars will differ on how they interpret various passages based on a variety, lots of different factors. And so these differences in understanding can affect their translation. So here we have this example from Galatians 2.16. I'm gonna pull from the NASB, the New American Standard Bible, and it says this, a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. And then the Net Bible, the New English translation, I think it is, it says this, No one is justified by the works of the law, but by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. So the difference is the NASB has through faith in Christ Jesus, and the Net Bible has by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. So they're using very similar translation philosophies. They're using the same manuscripts. There's no difference there. The way that they are understanding this phrase, faith in Christ Jesus or faithfulness of Jesus Christ, it's the exact same words in Greek. And the NASB is understanding it as one grammatical construction where the person placing their faith is placing it in Christ Jesus as the object of their faith versus the net Bible is understanding this construction as the subject of this faith of or of this faithfulness Is Jesus himself. So they're understanding the grammatical construction a bit differently. So that factor of the translator's understanding of a passage, how they are interpreting also influences how translations differ from one to another. Now, as we think about how do we use this information, we want to be careful that we have a real grace and charity towards others and the translations that they use. All of these translations are the word of God. And all of these translations are seeking to show the words that are found in the Hebrew, the Aramaic, and the Greek. And so they should be applauded. We should have joy and we should use them. There are some great resources to do this. There are parallel Bibles where they have multiple translations in one book. There are different Bible apps or websites. One app that I like is called Parallel Plus. It's kind of a neat app. You can lay out several different translations next to each other, or a neat website like Bible Gateway. You can pull up all kinds of translations all at once, which is really great. So many times when we think about Bible translations and how many translations we have, that can be viewed as a negative for us. But really, it's a positive for us because we have a variety of tools that are available to us to use to understand scripture. And so we can use these different types of translations to help us read scripture better. And I like this line of which translation you should use, it's the one that you'll actually read. That's the most important, the one that you'll actually dive into and to hear the word of God. Because that's the real concern, is to hear the voice of God in his scriptures, to see him and to be changed by him, to hear him speak to us, to trust him, to obey him, to love him. That's the whole goal of the Bible. And that's the whole reason why we have the Bible, so that we may love him more and that we may obey him more faithfully. So I pray that as we think about these translations, that we can be more intelligent and gracious believers with one another as we read our Bible and as we engage with others, but that we would rush to the word of God and that we would just be thrilled that we have the Bible in our own language and that we would hear the Lord speak to us. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider following the podcast and or giving an honest review. If you could even share it with a friend, that would be great too. You can check out my website, bitesizeseminary.com. You can have episodes emailed to you directly. And if you want to contact me, you can do so on the website or on Twitter or Facebook. You can see all of the links in the show notes below. Thanks for listening.